Welcome to uh, Practicing the Pillars. I'm Chaplain Randy Croft with the 509th Bomb Wing. Uh, really glad to have with us uh, the commander for the 509th Bomb Wing, Colonel Jeffrey Schreiner. Sir, thanks for joining us. Hey, no problem at all. It's my pleasure to get over here today. Uh, tell us a little bit about that music. It's a blast from the past, a classic song. Well, you know, I'm, I'm definitely, I, you know, I grew up childhood through the 70s and then uh, watched the, the whole movement of music through the 80s and the early 90s. Nirvana has always been one of my favorite bands. Yeah, I, I think it's a timely song because, uh, you know, what I'm learning about leadership over the last couple of weeks is that you got to make really hard decisions, and a lot of times those uh, decisions do not make people happy. So, uh, in a way, it's kind of a shout-out to everybody. Uh, all apologies uh, for the inconveniences that this has all put on our lives. Uh, at the end of the day, we all make hard decisions, and uh, I know down to individual families, we're all, all making hard decisions at home, too. So, uh, it's really kind of an uh, an overall comment about the world that we live in right now. Well, it was really, uh, it, it was really neat to see this weekend though. One of the decisions was to go out into the neighborhoods and to th thank families. Um, you know, many of them are, you know, restricting their movement and the kids are at home. They're taking school at home and, um, you know, some of the playgrounds are temporarily uh, shut right now, but just being able to go out and do the parade was really good response. A lot of the kids and families and it was, seemed to be go really well. Yeah, it was it was a great turnout uh, this weekend. You know, Chief McCool and I and the leadership team were talking, and uh, as we were setting this up, and uh, great work by the team. But at the end of the day, you kind of kind of wonder how that something like this is going to turn out. Uh, we we kind of had the discussion about is it too soon? Are people really ready for this? Uh, uh, with a resounding uh, noise, I think the uh, the entirety of the base community really rose to the occasion on this. Uh, it's an opportunity. It's always great to see. Kids are always excited about this kind of thing. You saw a lot of smiles there, but uh, seeing a lot of smiles just of families too, uh, to give them an opportunity to do something that uh, that morning. Uh, definite apologies to the night shift workers who probably got woken up, uh, but uh, you got it. We had to pick a time and go with it, and I think it worked out really good. But amazing opportunity. You, you know, the base is uh, not not surprising me, but it's confirming what I already knew is that we we have a resilient population that understands what we're doing here. Uh, the importance of wh why we're carrying on a mission and the balance that we have to strike to make that happen. Right, right. And um, and that resilience, you know, carries over not just this assignment, but, you know, from previous assignments, upbringing, et cetera. And we wanted to hear today um, what in your personal experience uh, has really been an obstacle or a challenge or something that you've, you know, you and your family have, have overcome over the years. Well, you know, I, I think uh, <coughs> it, it's easy to try to come up with an example from military life, but uh, today I wanted to talk about something a little more personal, which is more related to family uh, and the specific situation that, that we have with our family. Uh, you know, I think I didn't come from a military family. Uh, you know, my grandfathers both served in World War II, but they were by no means career military folks. Uh, I had a great aunt that was a in the Navy, in the nurse corps in 06. But as far as people that were close to me, I, I didn't really have that. So when I kind of struck out on this adventure and uh, going after uh, finishing up at the Air Force Academy, uh, my wife, Aunt Crystal, uh, we were high school sweethearts, so we kind of dove into this together. Um, you know, I always tell the story, you know, our, our first experience with the military really together was, uh, you know, we had been married for about 30 days, and then we're driving down to Del Rio, Texas, uh, to go to Laughlin oh. Air Force Base. Uh, you know, being from the Midwest where everything's green, uh, and, uh, and uh, she had gone to school in Missouri as well. Yeah, I just remember where you're in trail and car, in car, two different cars, and the first thing I see of Laughlin Air Force Base is uh, a tumbleweed, literally, rolled right across the highway, 
and a broken sign for the base where one bolts off and it's swinging in the wind for Laughlin Air Force Base. And I'm just like, what did I, what have I done? You know, bringing my new, my new bride here and uh, starting over life in the military. Uh, I would say everything's been uphill from since, or uphill in a positive way. It's all been good experiences since then, uh, uh, with a little, a few bumps and hiccups along the way. But uh, yeah, it, there's there's challenges that go with uh, that military life. Today, I want to talk a little bit about um, about my family situation, which I think is a good a good topic when we talk about resiliency and what we deal with. Uh, so. For many, many folks probably don't know my family situation. We've got uh, three children. Uh, I've got a 20-year-old, almost 20-year-old, here in about a month, uh, 20-year-old son uh, with autism. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Alex today and, and uh, the amazing person that he is. Uh, 16-year-old son, Wyatt, uh, and then a 14-year-old daughter, Riley Ann. You know, our, our adventure with Alex actually started here. He was born about a month. Uh, we were down in Del Rio, so he was born about a month before we PCS'd here. Um, and uh, we knew from a very early age that Alex was not your typical kid. We didn't really figure that out until we had another kid <laughs> because we realized that it wasn't normal for a small baby to just kind of lay on a blanket and not do, not need any stimulation for like two hours at a time. And, uh, uh did you first think like, well, he's really easy. We we're like, he is the best kid yeah. in the world. You know, is he, this normal? Yeah. It, it didn't to us, you know, as new parents, um, you know, we, we kind of started getting clues early on that maybe something wasn't quite uh, right. Uh, but all in all, he was a really easy baby, and it, it made things uh, uh, pretty good, uh, at least for those uh, first six or seven months. Um, you know, we Alex was diagnosed at a fairly early age, um, you know, about three and a half years old. We, we got a uh, diagnosis um, first through the school as he was starting to be looked at for preschool. And then later on, we got a, an official diagnosis when he was about four and a half uh, from actually from MU down the road. Cause we had, at that point we had moved up here for our first assignment at Whiteman. Um, and he is a classic autism, uh, you know, spectrum. So, um, you know, what is, what, you know, who is Alex now uh, when we talk about a 20 year old man, almost 20 year old man that lives in our house Um you know, he still still goes to school. He can communicate. Uh, he has been able to function somewhat in school, uh, but has really profound um, difficulties being able to relate to people socially um, to a really an almost incapacitating level at times. You know, so he gets very, you know, I tell people he kind of lives in his own world. And if things aren't exactly the way he thinks they're supposed to be in his own world, it creates real problems for him on the outside world, um, you know. Case in point, with a lot of this downtime that we're having right now, that's really tough for him. Uh, he, he thrives uh, in a structured environment, but when he has additional free time, it can be very challenging for him. You know, we had a, a major meltdown the other night, I think because he was watching, you know, he still watches videos from when he was a kid, uh, but he gets them very much stuck in his head. And uh, I think it was a Sesame, something from Sesame Street, and he could not get out of his head, and he was just screaming in the room at the top of top of his lungs, trying to get it out of his head. Um, well, when you go Sesame in, Street has those songs that will never. That's <laughs> always I think in for there anybody. Anyway. Yeah, but you know, we we go in, but just to give you a yeah. little kind of picture of his world, uh, when we go in and try to get him out of that, um, he will get angry, he will get upset. Um, he will then apologize, but then when you ask him, what are you, what are you apologizing for? He has no idea, no concept of why he was even angry in the first place. Um, it's just he's in his own world. Uh, so that we see a lot of that. Um, 
with, with Alex over the years. Uh, you know, I, I guess I'd like to talk a little bit about how we've coped with that and dealt with that. Right. Uh, you said it was, f- was he four? Uh, yeah, he four was. When, when you first discovered he was assessed at four? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we knew, we knew by probably by two to two and a half years old that there was something not quite the same as other kids just talking with other parents at that point and and just you know he was just a different kind of toddler he wasn't wasn't typical in his behaviors uh, in any any way shape or form um, and then we got the formal diagnosis uh, you know I think for every family that can be a real tough challenge um, I've I've had uh, a lot of friends uh, over the years that have dealt with similar diagnoses in their families I've watched some of them really rise to the occasion I've, I've seen some of them not uh, in, in really negative ways that impacted their life and, and sometimes their marriages. So uh, it can be a, a really life-changing moment, I think, when you deal with a diagnosis like that with a child. Sure, um, sure. How we approached it um, from fairly early on is uh, I'm kind of the I'm kind of the researcher. So, you know, at that point in time, so if you go back, that's 2003 to four, um, autism was out there. I mean, autism has been around forever, but the – the, the massive explosion of information that is out that what we live with now here in 2020 was not there in 2004. So it was still a very kind of like, how do you deal with this? Uh, there were enough kids that were getting diagnosed that parents like us were seeking answers, but those answers weren't readily available. So uh, I kind of became the one who I would research all the good ideas, you know, whether it was a medical intervention, uh, whether it was supplements, diet, uh, you name it. So I would come up with all these ideas and re- routines, and then my wife was was the saint that would go and actually try to implement some of these crazy, bizarre things. So you, if you can name an idea or that you've heard about of, of how to treat an autistic child, we have probably tried it, it in our you've household at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, so gluten, dairy-free, mm-hmm. uh, all sorts of weird restricted diets. At one point, when he was about five or six, thankfully, he learned how to take like actual pills so he could take vitamins and things like that so as a six-year-old uh it was an unusual for alex to be taking like 15 supplements a day you know and uh you know b12 shots you know everything that that has most of which has been debunked over the years uh we tried it because at that point in time nobody really knew what the science was and uh we we kind of took the approach i think most parents do in situations like that it's like hey if it's not going to hurt them Let's give it a shot sure. and, and see sure. if it see if it maybe helps a little bit. Um, you know, I think uh, one of the the most profound moments as a parent with a child like Alex. I mean, we love him to death. He's an amazing, amazing young man now. Uh, but at some point, you hit after trying all those different things. You kind of hit a wall as a parent, and you realize that hey, there there is no silver bullet. There's no magic cure. It's he's not going to be like you know, our younger kids as we're watching them grow up with, with, uh, with typical interactions, uh, that, that he's not going to just wake up and be like that someday. And you have to be willing to work through that, uh, as an individual and then as a couple and go, okay, what does that mean for the future? And it, we're still, we're still a work in progress for that. I mean, we have sure. a 20 year old man in our house that, that likes to, you know, watch Sesame street videos, uh, and, and, you know, gets mentally stuck uh, on all sorts of things um, that, that can be really challenging. And, and we've, we're still kind of doing that soul searching process as a family of what, what does life look like for Alex, you know, two, three, four, five years post-military, 
at some point this all ends. You know, I'm, I've got 24 years in right now, so I got, I got a lot less in front of me than what I got behind me in my career. So, um, it sounds sort of like you and your wife though are on the same page. You are experimenting with different, um, you know, things that might help. Sometimes people when they have um, if an EFMP challenge, sometimes a member will feel a little bit guilty, like uh, we're doing the best thing, we're moving, and there's there's change. And was that part of the conversation early on, or yeah. or is it just always we're going to solve this together and we're going to get through it together? Or uh, I mean, yeah, I don't want to I want to paint like this. The, the it was the perfect uh, cooperative engagement on, at all points in uh, in time on Alex. I mean, it's it's been a challenge, and we I think as any married couple that we didn't. You know, there were points where we didn't see eye to eye on, on sure. certain things with Alex. Uh, and, and the other thing I like to say is, you know, this isn't, I'm not here to judge how each individual family deals with that. There are some people that, that based, just based on what they see and their own feelings and their own relationship, they're, they're going to say, hey, we're going to have to, we got to settle down in one place and we're just going to pour all energy into this. Uh, as a couple, we kind of made the decision early on that, you know, we had two other kids coming up behind Alex and, uh, uh, we kind of said, hey, we're, we're going to live our life and we're going to give him the best that we can possibly give him. And I feel like we've done that uh, for the most part at every turn. And we kind of decided early on, too, that, that you know, with the nature of his uh, issues, new experiences probably were not going to hurt him. Uh, because what we saw as a child, the longer we were in a location, uh, a lot of times those repetitive, the repetitive nature of that would get stale for him and it would become difficult for him. Um, you know, we see it every summer when we have a break, uh, that can get exacerbated over years if you're in one place for a long, long time. So, so we've never really been as a couple afraid of moving with him. Um, and then all of a sudden we woke up and he was like 18 years old and almost done with high school. And so now we're dealing with the additional challenge of how we make that transition to him as an adult and what, how he's going to live his life, uh, at this point. So as you're, um, as your career is developing and, and you're deploying and changing assignments, obviously your your job plate will probably have more on it. You'll have more tasks and more uh, chance to be exhausted, maybe overwhelmed. And then that whole question of how do you balance and so you practice these pillars and how do you stay balanced with, with, with the family? What helped you with the demands of leadership and how do you juggle it all? Um, even when you're, whether you're separated or you're home, but you have so much on, even now as a commander, your, your hours must be, incredible and you still have um you know a, a young adult that you care about and love very much but the challenges don't go away uh, i i think that's that's a very good question i i think for me and you know a lot of people people will see a situation like what we have with alex and they'll they'll approach it from two different ways and we we have had these interactions with with people that we meet over the years some people will approach your situation with almost like a pity, like, you know, oh, you know, I'm sorry you have to deal with that. Um, some people will be interested and want to understand and, and learn more about it. Um, and then some people get it because they're dealing with their own situations in life. Uh, you know, I am a better leader and a better person because of Alex. Um, he, he has changed my perspective, I would say, on life uh, because he, he lives life in a very different way than the way we live it. Uh, the things that we care about and that matter to us, he doesn't worry about. Uh, and and that's, that causes you to go, okay, you know, you, one, you realize that he is going to rely on somebody to be there for him his whole life. So 
we recognize early on, I think, as a military couple that uh, the military is demanding, and, and there are going to be times where it, I, there was going to be a need for me to pour a lot more energy into the military side, into the career side, than I would have left over for the family side. And I think good communication as a couple, um, not that we're perfect at everything, but good communication and just expectations as you go into different periods of your career um, go a long way. You know, I, I, I think back to the six months I spent in weapon school here, even though I was coming home every night and it's, you know, basically most of it's here at Whiteman Air Force Base, you know, we walked into that no, up front knowing that my almost sole attention was going to be uh, on trying to get through that course over six months. And so we, we went into it with a mental model that, you know, Crystal was going to have to pick up a lot uh, in order to make that work. Um, you know, other times, and, and I, I tried to, to preach this when I was a squadron commander, and I'm finding it harder to, to get this out as a wing commander because now I'm trying to communicate that through squadron commanders. Um, you've got, you know, I, I tell people this all the time, it, it, the Air Force, uh, and this isn't a, a critique of the Air Force, but the Air Force will take everything from you. They will take all your time. Uh, it will take all your effort if you let it have it. Um, and I tell people that's not really what we want to have happen. That's not mm -hmm. good for the Air Force. It's not good for you. It's not good for your family. Mm -hmm. So there's a balance. Um, and what I have told people over the years is that, you know, when there's a choice to make, assuming the mission isn't at, at a vital level at that moment in time and you're not the linchpin to it, find a way to take care of your family. So uh, if you got to get home early uh, to, to take, you know, maybe an appointment or if you got to get home early to get to – a football game, go do that. Take that time because at some point the Air Force is going to ask for that time back when they really need it. So I have, I like to, I would like to think, and I hope my wife would echo this <laughs> sentiment. Maybe she, she's not here, so we'll assume she will, uh, that I have found that balance over the years. And uh, we have made some choices in our assignments over our career uh, that, that maybe were at, at, at that point in time. You know, I chose to go out to the Air Force Academy to be an air officer commanding out there. Um, uh, you know, I, I think there was, there were probably people at the time that thought, Hey, that's not the best career move for you. You probably need to go do joint staff X, Y, Z. Uh, that would be a better match and, and progress you career wise. But I looked at it like Alex was at a cr crucial age, you know, elementary school, you know, there were good schools there that we knew we were going to be able to get him into good treatment programs that we were excited about. And, and we said, hey, we're not going to worry about career on this. And we're going to go do follow our heart, do what's right for our family. I think in the end, it was one of the best assignments I've had. I definitely grew as a leader in ways that I wouldn't have grown uh, maybe sitting somewhere on a joint staff at that point in time. And at the end of the day, I'm pretty happy about where I'm at right now. So I, I think if you make choices that are good for your family um, and you put your, your heart and soul into those choices – then at the end of the day, I think the career is most of the time going to take care of itself. I'm, I'm glad to hear you hear you mention that because sometimes people will feel that it's either career or family. But um, I always admire when when you know I'll hear someone who, who extends in an assignment, for example, they'll maybe stay an extra year and they'll be told, well, it's not best for your career, but you know they'll say this is the best for my family. And at the end of the day, when the military's done, I, I want to have a healthy family because they are sacrificing for. For me, as much as um, as much as I'm trying to sacrifice to do the mission, so um, that that's it's great that you mention that because um, we often don't thank our families enough for the sacrifices they make. Yeah, it's uh, 
I can't possibly thank my wife enough over the years. I mean, it's she's been with me through this whole thing. We actually met in junior high, so uh, the fact that she was still willing to marry me after four years of the Air Force Academy uh, is a is a true testament to her. And uh, and she's she's still here uh, by my side. Uh, you know, it's it, it has been challenging at times, and uh, you know, military career can be tough. Um, uh, you know, going through squadron command here, and then. Uh, you know, deployment for a year out to, out to IUD uh, to experience all five of their summers. Uh, it's it's been an adventure, and uh, and but she's been she's been a rock for me. Uh, you know, helping me get through this uh, over the years. Um, you know, it, it's interesting. You know, you, you kind of hit a point where you start to realize. You know, especially with twenty four years and like me, you kind of go, okay. You know, at any day we could just be done with this and we could move on and. Uh, you know, we've we've had a lot of discussions over the last couple of years. Uh, once we got this assignment, we were near, knew we were coming here, which was a dream job, you know, for me. I never thought this would be an opportunity to come back to Whiteman as a link commander. Um, you know, we we've been evolving our thought process about about what's next, and and realizing that you know, I, I think as every as you grow as a leader, I think strong military families adapt and, and grow in their mindset as well. Where we we don't do this now uh, so much about the personal gain. It, it's really about what is it going to mean for airmen? What is it going to be mean for the overall mission? Uh, and if if we feel like our family's in a place to continue to do that, not that that's without challenge. With three teenagers in the house, you know, soon to be a twenty year old, that uh, everybody wants to get a vote too. So there's hard decisions there that we're making uh, with our other two teenagers as well. Absolutely, absolutely. Any uh, any, I mean. Any advice for, say, young families now who are just dealing with EFMP for the first time or young airmen who are just coming in and they haven't faced some of these challenges? I think you meant several principles right now, but there's some resilience things. You've mentioned several, the importance of family, being on the same page, doing it together. Um, any advice would you give to young families or young airmen just coming in and maybe facing this for the first time? Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I, I think the first and most important thing is just just don't try to go it alone because that's a lonely road. Uh, and, and I'll tell you, it can, it can be, that may be a road for one because not every, everybody deals like we talked about, not everybody deals with a diagnosis the same. And I think for some people, they're going to jump right in and they're going to go, okay, how do we, how do we get after this? Some people, it may take them a year before they really go that they even acknowledge to themselves that there's a problem and that there's, and so, and the spouses may not be on the same page with that happening. And I will tell you that that ebbs and flows over the years too. Uh, so uh, you're not alone. Reach out. There are, you know, there are groups on this base right now that will help connect you to other people that are dealing with these type of situations in their family lives. Um, and then I just can't stress the importance of, of finding a way to get at least on the same page with your spouse uh, and your family in some cases uh, with dealing with this because your family members, your extended family won't necessarily be the most helpful at times. And I'm not throwing my family under the bus here, but I mean, there, there are, there are different things, uh, that everybody has their own opinion about these type of issues. You're the only one living with it inside your household. So you've got to be willing to, um, to get support where you can get it. And then, but ultimately you got to fall back on each other to help come up with a solution and how you're going to deal with the problem. Okay. Every practicing the pillars, we like to find out what, what, Pillars, do you practice on a daily, weekly, monthly uh, schedule that helps you deal with challenges, obstacles, maybe frustrations, anxieties? We all have obstacles, but we don't all have the same obstacles. 
But what have you found helpful for you on the pillars? That's a that's that's always a tough question. I, I knew that this question would get asked today, and I really tried to put a little bit of thought to it. And uh, I think the big conclusion I came to is, hey, I'm, I may not be the shining example in this category. You know, uh, yeah, I, I try to. I think every personality is different when it comes to resiliency, and that's why I, you know you'll hear me say it a lot. There is no one size fits all to what makes a person resilient, how they build their resiliency. Uh, you know, I, I tell people a lot, and I don't think people necessarily understand this about me. I am I am absolutely not an extra, extrovert. I mean, I think pe- there's this misconception that, you know, to be a, a senior leader in, in a, any organization that you have to be this this really outgoing, extroverted type of person. I, I am not that. I'm, I'm more of an introvert that that uh, does a really good job of compensating and, uh, and coming off as an extrovert sometimes. So for me, you know, being able to re- – build resiliency at, at the core is just having some downtime and being able to, to just kind of introspectively think about what's going on and have an understanding. You know, I draw a lot of strength from my family. Uh, that is, that's definitely uh, my, like you said, my wife and I have been together and known each other since we were early teens. And uh, so uh, she has always been a strength in my life uh, in helping me get through tough times um, you know, now that my kids are older, you know, I'm, I'm the dad that, that goes to every sports game I can go to, probably the dad that, that get, you know, says things he shouldn't in the stands at every sports game he goes to, getting better at that though. Um, but, you know, I really am passionate about my kids' lives and, and I want the best for them. Uh, although with teenagers, they don't always necessarily think that, that you're trying to do that, but it, it's true. It's always there. Um, you know, spiritually for me, you know, it's one of the pillars. Um, you know, I've, I have a strong faith, uh, but I think like many people in this country, you know, my my practicing in that faith has ebbed and flowed throughout my life. Um, and But that, that doesn't mean that it's not strong, that I don't draw strength from it. Um, what I'm finding is I, I draw, when it, we talk about like keeping yourself motivated and keeping yourself strong and pushing forward, I draw a lot of strength from other people now. I draw a lot of strength from, you know, I don't want to, you know, the, not to sound corny, but I, I mean, I draw strength from the airmen in this wing and seeing what they're capable of doing. Uh, and I mean that with sincerity. I, I don't think you do a job like this if your only concern is self-promotion or what the next job's going to be. I think you do it because you, you love it and you want to see people succeed and, and do well. So when that's happening, I, I, I get a lot of strength from that. And so as challenging as the times are right now, you know, I'm seeing a lot of really good examples amongst our airmen of people stepping up and doing the best they can. And uh, that really keeps me going. It keeps me pushing through, you know, tough situations because it seems like every single day there's, there's something just when I think we got a handle on everything right now, you know, I'll get hit with some bizarre, crazy news. And then we have to kind of start back over again. So, uh, but I see our airmen rising to the occasion and, uh, and I get my strength from that uh, primarily. But yeah, as far as the other pillars go, uh, you know, I, I'm I think I'm a human being, and I think uh, I do good in things sometimes. I, I I do not so good in others. You know, I tried to get the physical pillar going again yesterday. Ooh. Don't don't do push-ups <laughs> and sit-ups with a 16-year-old. All right, All right. I think I did too many. But, well, uh, it's it's yeah. good though. Yeah, well, they're gonna push <laughs> it. They're always gonna push it. Hey, yeah. Dad, guess how many I can do? And yeah, yeah, no, but sir, and that's that's just a reminder that we all. Uh, we have to customize some of these pillars for our for our own selves. We're different personalities and and different backgrounds, and some of us will lean into one pillar more than another. But I think the thing that we all share in common as wingmen is 
we want to do the job well. We want to care for each other well. We want to do the mission, and we want to stay healthy, and that's what these pillars are. They're to help us to be healthy, to deliver to Team Whiteman, you know, our best when we're out there working, to give our best. And then when we relax, when we go home, we can, you know, catch our breath and get back at it again the next day. The last thing I'd say about the pillars, and, and, and I, I think the concept is sound, and, and, you know, everything we've talked about, the variances all aside, never let uh, what, you know, your perceived uh, failures in those pillars don't let that become a drag on your resiliency. You know, if, if physical fitness is something that you feel like you're not doing enough of, don't let that drag you down. Mm-hmm. I mean, at some point you go, you can just hit the button and go, okay, haven't done very well over there, need to do better, we're going to start over now. And that can be in any of those four pillars. Um, you know, so that that's that's something that I've kind of, I've had to do myself. Is in, Every now and then you kind of got to hit the reboot button on some things and, and go, okay, Maybe I haven't done as good as, as I should have in the past over here, but I'm going to do better now and then move forward. Don't, don't look back and move forward because it's really about you, and it's about you building yourself into a stronger individual. Uh, and if you're dwelling on the past in one of those areas, you're, you're doing the opposite of what we should be doing, which is trying to make ourselves stronger. All right. I think that's perfect. Perfect way to end. Thank you, sir. Thank thanks you. so much for uh, sharing your, your story, your, your experience with us. And uh, thanks for joining us on Practicing the Pillars today. And remember, there's some things you're going to have to put in the rearview mirror, but we look ahead and we just get stronger and better and learn from each other. Lean on each other. Lean on the pillars. Hey, thanks for all you do, Team Whiteman. Uh, this is another episode of Practicing the Pillars. Mm-hmm.